Hello, and thank you for tuning in. You are listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. You can listen and subscribe to the show for free on Spotify, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Blog Talk Radio, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Audible. For network or show information, visit FightRadio.me. And now, the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Good day, everyone, and thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Today, my special guest is Samantha Fay. We will be talking about her work, as well as her new book, The Awake Dreamer, a guide to lucid dreaming, astral travel, and mastering the dreamscape. In the world of dreams, inventors have discovered techniques to solve problems, Scientists have conjured new medicines to heal the sick. Artists have created poetry, plays, and songs. Many people have reported being visited by loved ones in heaven to bring messages of healing or warnings to prevent an upcoming disaster. Stories of precognitive dreams, some filled with wonder and hope, while others foretell impending misfortunes, have been recorded for centuries. In The Awakened Dreamer, readers will learn how to utilize the dream state to expand their consciousness, reach out to loved ones in heaven, and use their sleep state to fully realize their soul's potential. Samantha Fay co-hosts two popular podcasts, Psychic Teachers and Enlightened Empaths, both of which how to embrace and celebrate their innate sensitivity and gifts. Samantha Fay is a Reiki master who writes and teaches about crystals, Reiki, healing, and intuition. She's worked as a freelance writer for several publications, including BeliefNet, Body, Mind, and Spirit, and the Wilmington Star News. For more information, you can visit her website, which is samanthafay.com, and that's samanthafay.com. And with that, I'd like to welcome Samantha to the show. Good day, Samantha. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk about dreaming. Thank you. I am too. I uh, dreams is one of one of my favorite topics, <laughs> and um, I sometimes I think, is there anything more I can learn about dreams? But after reading your book, I found it is. So that was uh, <laughs> really happy to talk about today's show. So. Um, let's start with, um, uh, would you mind sharing with the listeners um, how your interest in dreams, how and when your interest in dreams began? Sure. Well, I've always had very weird and strange and wonderful dreams my whole life, but I often thought they were just dreams, even when they were precognitive. I thought, oh, well, maybe I just, I don't know. I just kind of blew it off. And then in 2005, I was at the time married to a police sergeant, and I had this recurring dream of someone getting shot in the neck. I never saw a face. I just saw the image of the bullet impacting the neck and the hand grasping the neck. And so, of course, you know, I begged him to wear his bulletproof vest every every night. But within about two weeks of that dream, unfortunately, it came true. And I remember sitting in the ICU waiting room and my friend saying to me, and my sisters, this is what you've been dreaming about. Your dreams are coming true. 
And that really shifted everything for me. And I started to look at my dreams much more seriously. And I started to realize that something really amazing is happening to all of us when we sleep. I host two podcasts, Psychic Teachers and Enlightened Empaths, as you mentioned. And I started sharing some of my dream experiences on the podcast. And then I would hear from listeners saying, me too, me too. I have those experiences as well. I've had dreams of crossing ghosts over. I've had dreams of helping people to heal and working in groups of healers. I've had a lot of visits with loved ones on the other side. And as I shared these experiences, more and more listeners were emailing me saying that they had similar experiences. So that's what led me to research this and look at the history behind it, a little bit of science, not a whole lot. I'm a former English teacher, not a science one, but I tried to put together some grounding balance to what is actually happening when we sleep. I do think some dreams are just dreams. I want to make that clear. But I think sometimes we do have these amazing, wonderful experiences. Yeah, I mean, dreams, to me, dreams have always been fascinating. And I've, you know, since a child, um, been very interested in dreams, having uh, repeat dreams of after projecting, you know, um, to a particular spot. And, and we'll talk about that later. But, I mean, it was one of those things where I was probably 10, 11, maybe, that, maybe even a little bit younger than that. But um, they were just reoccurring. So, um, that that's what sparked mine. It was like a... I, I once you know, you get, kind of get a reoccurring dream, then it um, it makes you kind of no pun intended sit up and wonder kind of what what's happening here. Yeah, it makes you pay attention, and I bet you remember those astral dreams as clearly as you do any other childhood memory. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, and um, in it, I mean, there were many times when I was awake. Um, that the sensation, that uh, flying sensation would still be with me. I mean, that would be one of those things where it kind of you know, carried over into the, the waking state. And um, it, was, it, was a, it was very nice. I, I enjoyed that. You know, and I guess maybe that was, you know, it was one of those cases. Maybe I didn't often get that sense of peace upon waking, you know, but, but uh, it, it was nice. <laughs> yeah. So now, you know, when I, when I started reading the book, you talked about some of your early experiences with um, having dreams with other people having the same, you know, like a shared dream experience. Um, and, and to me, that that's fascinating. I mean, that's a, you know, fascinating aspect of dreams. I never really, I can't remember having that experience Um and all my dreaming experience. But can you share with the listeners? So, when, you know, that happened, I believe, early on in your unfolding journey. Um, and so can you kind of share about that experience and, and uh, what's your view of when they, you know, what, why and, you know, when they occur? I think shared dream experiences are one of the best examples for kind of the thesis of my book, which is that our soul might some nights actually leave our body and travel to other places on earth or other dimensions or the other side or what we might call heaven. I think shared dream experiences give a lot of credence to that. When I was a little kid, I had this recurring dream. It happened 
over and over and over throughout my childhood. It ended around middle school. And in these dreams, I was in a place that was just for kids, you know, and it was so freeing, and we could do anything. We could hopscotch or play with chalk or paint or basketball, anything. And years later, I met one of my best friends, and we had just met. Our kids were in the same play group, and I don't know why, because I'm not one of those oversharers, but somehow dreams came up, and I started telling her about this childhood dream I had. And, and as I'm telling her, I don't know if you heard through this, Robert, but I'm like, why am I telling her this story? But I tell her about these recurring dreams I had as a kid. And she started finishing my sentences and said, I know, I used to dream about going to that place too. And so I've often wondered, is that why we became such fast friends and remain best friends almost 20 years later? I had a really random dream. I mean, it wasn't significant or amazing, but it was very, very real. I was walking in what I can only describe as, like, Penn Station or Grand Central Station, you know, those tunnels with the white subway tile. And I knew mm-hmm. that my guide was walking with me, and one of my coworkers was coming towards me with her guide. And I waved and said hello to her, and she waved and said hello to me, and we just kept on walking through this tunnel. And the next day at work, I'm at the copier, and I said, hey, I had a dream about you last night. And as I'm telling her the dream, she's finishing my sentences and said, I had the same dream last night, and I waved to you. And so, again, not like a, you know, mind-blowing dream, but it's incredibly significant that on the same night we have the same dream. That's an example of a shared dream experience. There are people who have worked closely with a, with a dream partner and agreed to meet in a dream on a certain night and have, and have had very good success with that. And I think that's a very interesting aspect to explore. That is, that is. You know, and you, uh, it kind of makes you wonder, I mean, that idea of planting the seed, you know, discussing ahead of time, you know, you know that you'll meet. Um, you know, that the idea of kind of directing one's dreams versus, you know, something spontaneous like your, you know, you and your guide meeting your friend and guide, they're going down that particular tunnel. I mean, that wouldn't be, you know, that's not one of those coordinated type of activities. So, you know, a right. random aspect, I think that, um, you know, people would, it makes it harder to question, you know, you know the, the experience. Um, now, in your book, you in the beginning, you spend a, a bit of time, you know, you mentioned yourself as being an educator. You spend some time talking about the history of, of dreams and the many um, famous people, you know, who have, who, whose lives have been guided in many cases by dreams. So can you, would you share with us, you know, when you say when you, you know, discovered that you wanted to jump in and learn everything, you know, and, and I could see that part of the book was the result of you learning those things. So would you mind sharing with the listeners kind of why you put it in there and maybe what do you think is maybe one of the most significant um, things to look at? And maybe something that surprised you upon your research. Yeah, sure. So I think it's one thing for a reader to pick up my book and read about my experience or listeners that I, their stories that I've shared in the book, I think it's quite another when you read about St. Augustine or Carl Jung or William Blake, Mark Twain, 
I mean, there's so many well-known people that I've mentioned in the book. I think it gives a lot of credence to this, to this idea, this concept of soul travel in our dream state. One, one story that really struck me, I love William Blake. I love his work, his artwork. I love his poetry. And, you know, like most artists, he was a starving artist, and he and his wife were looking for a way to make more money. He was working during the day as a, as a printer. And unfortunately, his brother had passed away at a very young age. I think he was only in his early 20s. And so as William Blake is trying to figure out a way to make more money and, you know, pay his bills, he has a dream where his brother appears to him and shows him this brand new, never before done way to make printing books very, very inexpensive. And this is, you know, hundreds of years ago. So William Blake invented this new way of printing books and it saved him and his wife from, you know, debtor's prison basically. And he credits it all to a dream. Carl Jung had recurring dreams that he believed predicted World War One. Emanuel Swedenberg, I think he's got to be one of the most famous soul travelers out there. He was an engineer and a man of science until he had this very mystical dream experience that changed his life. And he, he gave up working um, his day job. He started studying with an alchemist and recording all of his dream and meditation experiences. He talks about journeying to the other side and going to the different levels, which was really new. This is, we're talking the 17th century. He's talking about not heaven and hell and purgatory. He's talking about levels of hell and levels of heaven. Really fascinating things all learned during his dreams and then later in his meditation. Wow. Yeah. You know, one of, there was one exercise. First of all, your book has exercises at the end of chapters. Um, and one of the exercises early on in the book was your dream team, you know, and the idea of putting together, you know, a team of people whom you uh, admire. You know, and as you were going through those, the list of individuals, I couldn't help but wonder if any of those individuals were on your dream team or, you know, uh, yeah, yeah. Them, I guess, tell them what a dream team is, you know, and, and then, uh, yeah, how they would fit. Well, I think it's Napoleon Hill who first came up with this idea, and he writes about how he would often use the dream time to get ideas and inspiration for his work and his writing. And so he chose certain men that he really admired who had already passed on. And he asked them to meet with him, excuse me, to meet with him at night in the dream state so that they could give him ideas and collaborate and really help him get his message across. You know, Napoleon Hill's the one who wrote books like Think and Grow Rich. So he became a huge best-selling writer. And so he picked many, many well-known people. One of them was Abraham Lincoln. What I love about his story, he did this every night before he fell asleep. He'd imagine them all around a conference table. And then he would have these dreams that gave him wonderful ideas. He wrote his book. It became a big hit. He stopped doing the dream team. And then he has this dream where Abraham Lincoln visits him and says, what happened to our meetings? We miss you. And I thought, wow, you know, that's really, really fascinating. Now, I know some skeptics could hear that story and say, well, that's just the subconscious. But I do think that mystical things happen when we ask for help. Even John Steinbeck talks about a dream committee that helps him write books. And so I think he called it a committee of sleep. So a lot of people have tried this. I find it fascinating that the first book I wrote for my editor 
was my memoir of different stories and things I've learned about the other side from my work with the world of intuition. And my editor said, memoirs aren't really selling, so, you know, send me something else. Well, one of the women that I asked to be on my dream team is Rosemary Ellen Guiley, who unfortunately I feel left us way too soon. And she started her uh, wonderful teaching writing career in the world of spirituality and, and woo-woo, as we call it, with books on dreams. And I find it very fascinating that the one idea the editor was like, yes, let's run with this, was my idea to write this book on dreams. So I definitely think if you work with your own dream team, and it has to be personal to you, you have to know a little bit about them, you have to admire them and look up to them, I do think you will find that your dreaming life starts to enhance. And it, it might not be that you wake up and go, wow, I had a dream where Abraham Lincoln told me exactly what to do about my annoying boss. It's not going to be like that. <laughs> you might wake up and not remember anything and think, well, that doesn't work. And then as you're driving to work, an idea pops into your head. Call this person, text that person, or, you know, go on LinkedIn, look for this. That's how our dreams work, is they kind of plant the seeds in our subconscious, and when we're ready, they rise up into our conscious and can affect our daily life in really spectacular ways. Yeah, exactly. Well, now, I want to um, talk about the, the idea of, uh, like, you said, dreams don't always necessarily work like that. You come up with the, you know, the answer necessarily. So... First of all, in preparation for sleeping in the dream state, um, you talk about in the book about inviting, um, like inviting healing dreams, you know, or inviting different types of dreams. So can you talk about the, the importance of that aspect and, and you know, why, um, what are some ways or some kinds of <laughs> approaches that we can take, you know, to, to yeah. start that process. Well, remember, what's really important is that what you are focused on, whether it's in a positive way, like hoping or trying to manifest or take action on a goal, or if it's in a negative way where you're worried and anxious about something, whatever is at the forefront of your mind throughout your day is going to show up in your dreams. And the subconscious cannot handle an unanswerable question. So if you are going to bed with a question on your mind, like why is this relationship causing me so much turmoil or what is the root cause of this ailment I'm dealing with? If you're really ruminating on a question, the answer will come to you in a dream. And again, like I said before, it might not be like, you know, a physician on the other side is going to walk up to you and say, Robert, you need to check the final area. You know, it's not going to be like that. I had a friend, for example, who had a, a chronic illness that no doctor could figure out. This was in the uh, late 80s, early 90s, I believe. And she was going to doctor after doctor, and they were like, look, you're just tired. You know, go home and rest. And so she kept ruminating on this, and she was asking her angels and her guides to please help her come up with a solution. And she woke up with a name, just a woman's name in her head. And this is, you know, way before cell phones and Internet and all of that. So she went to the Yellow Pages, and it was a doctor's name uh, a couple of towns away. Called her up. The woman diagnosed her. She had Lyme disease. So it's amazing how these dreams can really work to help us figure out what's going on in our waking life. But the way that you can prime that pump, so to speak, 
is to really focus on it throughout your day. I, and again, I'm not saying worry about it and, you know, go over and over yeah. and over it, but, but talk about it, think about it, project it, pray about it, write journal about it. And as you're falling asleep, consider writing it down on a piece of paper and tucking it under your pillow. Now, I love crystals, and not everyone does, but I love to take a little like, velvet bag and I'll put some crystals that have helped me with dreams, like howlite or amethyst. They're really, really great for that. Lapis, labradorite, kyanite. But you can experiment and find what crystals work with you if that resonates with you. And I put my question in that little velvet bag of crystals, and I tuck it underneath uh, my pillow. And that tends to help. What I have noticed, though, is it's not instantaneous. If I put a question in my little velvet bag of crystals under my pillow, it's usually about a week and a half to two weeks before I get the insight and the answer I'm seeking. So I just want listeners mm. to know this is not instantaneous overnight, but it does work. Yeah, well, you know, and you know that's really important to recognize when it comes to timing. Um, you know that uh, there are certain things that you just can't control, and and it just you know I've learned that uh, uh, if something's not happening like I expect or want, like for example an instant answer or or a day or two, you know to recognize that there maybe has to be something happening in the meantime um, before I get that. It's kind of like prep, you know. And, and many times I find out when it happens, I, the reason I find out is like oh. That's why it didn't happen then, you know, or, or that's why, you know, um, you know, I, you know, I have a different perspective or got new material or something, you know. So I mean, it's just that something has to happen in between from the time, you know, you ask for something and sometimes the time you manifest that something. Yeah, yeah, and that's the art of surrender, and it's a very tricky art, isn't it? Because we want things now, now, now. <laughs> But dreaming yeah. is just one tool to really help you to not only manifest, but also to figure out, you know, who you are. Why are you here? What is your purpose now? What is the purpose of this going on in your life or that challenge or this blessing? Your dreaming life can really help give you answers to that because our defenses are down when we're sleeping. Our egoic mind is not in control. We're dealing but with the subconscious and the soul level. And that's why I think it's such a powerful time and throughout our day we spend a third of our life dreams we might as well make use of it <laughs> i agree I, you know <laughs> and thinking about that um you know one of the things i noticed that you know you turn coined the terms of night or night walker or night worker you know before soul traveler um some nights you know there is that there are there is that um activity that soul travel um that can be um if you're experiencing it can be tiring as you know as, as if you were going through that and then you wake up tired uh i mean for me i'm i wake up tired so how does one balance the the need for that recuperative time that we need you know versus yeah. the time to be helpful the time to people, even in the, the yeah. Right. So I, I called it night worker. Now I call it soul travel because my editor pointed out that night worker kind of sounds like I'm talking about something else. So I call, <laughs> I call it soul traveler now. 
But I called it night work with dreams because I feel like so many of us are light workers during the day where we're trying to do, you know, nice things and kind things for people and help and heal. And at night, I found that that myself and many people I've been talking to have these dreams where we're working, we're crossing over earthbounds or sending healing. And one of the hallmarks is that you wake up more tired than when you went to sleep. And something I think a lot of people who are called to this kind of work forget is that we have free will and we are in charge of our energy and it is perfectly okay and absolutely necessary to say no. And so sometimes when I'm falling asleep and I'm saying my prayers, I will just say to my people, my guides and my angels, y'all, I need a break tonight. <laughs> so no night work for dreams. And I have found that when I remember to do that, I won't remember any dreams, which is all, uh, I, don't, I don't really like that feeling, but at least I have a very thorough, restful sleep. So just know that you can always say, not tonight. But this is why <laughs> recording your dreams is really important, too, because if you record your dreams, and I, you don't have, I think it's great to have a dream journal, but you don't have to. You can just use the notes app on your phone, whatever works for you. But if you record your dreams with the date, the full date, you know, the year as well, because time passes quickly, you'll start to notice patterns of when you have these types of dreams. Some people notice that they happen around the full moon. Others notice that they don't have any dreams around the full moon. Some people notice that when they're very, very overworked and stressed out, they don't have any dreams. And so starting to recognize the pattern, you might notice, oh, I had a late dinner that night, and that gave me really funky dreams, so I'm not going to do that anymore. So if you record your dreams, you'll start to recognize your own personal pattern, and it will help you take control more of that energy as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I do the using the notes on the, the phone. You know, as far, I mean, I used to do the writing down, but I can uh, type much quicker, you know, in the, in the note function. Um, yeah, because especially I do the same when thing. Happens, I have all... All my dream journals, and then I, I lose them, I forget, and now I just hit the microphone app on my phone and put it right into my notes app. There you go. And and it's important to remember you don't necessarily have to do the whole thing. That if you kind of highlight the important parts of the dream, that you know if you wake when you wake up in the morning and you go back to it, it's it's kind of like it, it, the neurons are already connected, so you'll kind of have a better recall. Um, of the details, even if you didn't write them down. Right. And if you don't remember a lot of the dream, you can just write down the emotion you feel upon waking. Some dreams make us feel very afraid, very terrified, or very lonely and isolated. Other dreams make us feel incredibly joyful and excited and hopeful. You can write that down. If you wake up to music, like a song in your head, write that down and look up the lyrics. They always recommend that the first thing you should do when you wake up is not reach for your the app on your phone or your dream journal. Just lay there. Just lay as still as possible on your bed and allow the dream to filter into your conscious awareness without forcing it, pushing it, or trying to remember. The minute you try to recall every detail, it just runs away from you. So if you just lay very, yeah. very still and just allow the memory to wash over you, and sometimes you might find that when you're brushing your teeth or driving to work, that's when you remember the dream. And I don't know if you've had this, Robert, but I get I call it dream deja vu, where like a week mm -hmm. later I'll be doing something and I'll remember dreaming about that a week before. 
it's the weirdest yeah. thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that has, not often, um, but, um, yeah, that has happened. Um, and and um, usually it's something very out of character for me <laughs> to be doing. Right. You know, so, you know. <laughs> really, then, you know, and, and whenever that happens to me, it's just, I'm, I'm the kind that whenever there's something like that or whenever synchronicity or coincidence seems to happen, I just take, kind of take a moment to, you know, be thankful for the awareness that, you know, that this is something bigger. I mean, there are things bigger than me, you know, and this is just a, rem a reminder of that fact. Yeah, it is so important, I think, to acknowledge those synchronicities and just say thank you. It strengthens them, and it also helps us to have more of those experiences. And I, I think synchronicities are like little signposts on our soul plan, you know, saying, like, keep going. You got this. You're on the right path. Yeah, exactly. Well, um, we're going to take um, a quick break here um, to map up. And, and then when we come back, I'm going to talk about a couple of the other types of dreams that you talk about in your book, and, and then um, maybe closing with a, a couple things for people to help remember their dreams better, even other than the ones that we've already talked about, okay? Sounds great. Uh, everyone stay tuned. We'll be right back after this brief break. Hello, this is Robert Sharp. I want to thank you for joining us, and I hope that you are enjoying today's show. Just a reminder that we have a wealth of information and resources available on our website, byteradio.me. There is a calendar of upcoming shows, along with an archive link that will give you access to more than 1,600 shows that we have had during the past 12 years. Also on the site is a link to the products and services we provide, books, nature photography, calendars, and 5 by 7 photo greeting cards. Our show is a free podcast on Blog Talk Radio, iHeart Radio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and TuneIn. And you can subscribe for free on any of those platforms by using the links on our website homepage. We are on social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, etc. And we also have buttons to those platforms on the top of our homepage. Our website, byteradio.me, has much for you to explore and enjoy. I also very much appreciate you supporting our guests, and especially today's guest. And now, back to the show. Hello to everyone. Thank you for staying with us again today. My special guest is Samantha Fay. And we're talking about her new book, The Awake Dreamer, A Guide to Lucid Dreaming, Astral Travel, and Mastering the Dreamscape. And again, you can find out more by visiting her website, which is samanthasay.com. That's samanthasay.com. Okay, with that, we're back, Samantha. Hello. Okay, great. So, um... I want to, you know, as I mentioned in or in the subtitle of your book, uh, lucid dreaming. Uh, can you? Many people may not under, know what lucid dreaming is. So, can you maybe give us a an overview of, of what that is? Sure. So, lucid dreaming is when you become aware while you're dreaming that you are dreaming, and so sometimes you can 
have these experiences where it's not, I think some soul travel experiences we can become lucid, but I think some metaphorical dream experiences, you know, where it's just a dream, you can also become lucid in those as well. And it's within these lucid dream experiences that you can do a lot of work confronting old fears or current fears, working on hidden anxieties or shadow aspects of yourself. There's a fascinating story I recount in in that chapter, St. Augustine, in 451, so that's a really long time ago, people were talking about lucid dreaming. They just didn't call it that. But he and his friend, um, I believe his name is pronounced Genadius, he was a physician, they were having this debate over the afterlife, you know, and what happens when we die, and are we just under the ground waiting for the second coming? And so they're having this big debate, and his physician friend Genadius goes to sleep one night, and he and he has this dream where there's this man who comes to greet him. Now, he does not have wings, but the physician tells St. Augustine he believes he is an angel, and he says to him, what with what eyes are you are you looking at me? And Genevieve looks at his body sleeping on the bed, and he looks at himself standing there, and he looks at this angel figure next to him, and he's like, I don't know. And he says, and what, with what ears are you hearing me? And he's trying to explain to him that there is an afterlife, and it's just a different form of a body. But it's one of the first recorded lucid dream experiences that we have, and it comes from St. Augustine, which I find fascinating because, you know, He's kind of the stickler for the rules and all. <laughs> not, the, not the person you expect to talk about. Okay. <laughs> dreaming, and yet there we have it. So you can, wow. you can. There are techniques that I mentioned in the book to enhance lucid dreaming. In my experience, and I think many other people's as well, it does take a lot of time and consistent effort. And I know when I first started to try lucid dreaming, I was a young mother with young kids. I do not recommend trying to lose the dream when you're a young mother or father because you're being woken up all the time. Anyway, you want to try lucid dreaming, you have some time. So definitely over a weekend. But there's there's many different techniques that you can use to try to become awake and aware during the dream state. Now, I think when we have these night worker or soul travel experiences, I don't know about you, but I'm always aware that I'm dreaming. And it's not even that I'm mm-hmm. dreaming. It's like I'm aware that I'm in a different place. And I don't know if you want to call it a dimension or, or you know, I, whatever label you want to put on it. I, I'm just aware that I am not in my house, in my bed. I'm, I'm aware that I'm somewhere else and, and doing important work or, or learning. I do have a section in the book where I talk about my astral school dream. And that's also a fairly common phenomenon that can happen when we are lucid dreaming. Yeah, yeah, very much. You know, and kind of piggybacking on that, you know, very aware, you know, that you're kind of not, um, you know, you're in a different spot or a different place. Um, it, when, when you talked about uh, in the book about past life dreams, you indicate that one of the um, characteristics is one where, it, you know, they feel more like memories than dreams. So, I mean, in a sense, there's kind of that distinction also recognizing that it's, um, you know, it's different from a dream. Yes, it feels very, very different. And often in these experiences, you will know more than, you'll, you'll know more than your conscious knows. So when I have these experiences, 
it's almost like my higher self or, or my soul is the one in charge, not Samantha, who's worried about, you know, doing the laundry and walking the dogs and what am I going to cook for dinner tonight. There's, there's a sense mm-hmm. of higher knowing in those dream experiences. And it's very, those, these dream experiences are incredibly different from a traditional dream. They're vivid, they're always in full color, they're always chronological, they make sense. You know how sometimes when you have a weird dream, it, it doesn't make sense. You might be in a mm-hmm. grocery store one minute and the next second you're in a mall and it doesn't make sense. Whereas in these lucid or astral travel dream experiences, it, it all feels like just another part of your day. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, a couple of the, well, there was one, one other area that I kind of want to cover before um, we get to maybe some uh, final tips for people to remember their dreams better. Um, one of them is, is regarding dream visitation. Um, now, one of the things that I, I found interesting when I read that section was, you know, I mean, we're talking about visitations from, you know, deceased uh, relatives or, or even pets. Uh, but the idea of that visitations are, um, contr- I don't say control, are directed by others. Like, for example, if, if there is someone who has passed, who wants to talk to you, but there is no good reason for them to insert themselves into your life, that that is not going to happen. Correct? Yes. That's what I – now, that's my experience. So I don't – I never, mm-hmm. ever want to present that, like, you know, this is an absolute law. But what I have been told when I've had these dream visitations or I've been having – I have these these dreams where I'm meeting with my, my team of guides and we kind of are going over my soul plan and, and I can ask them questions. And one thing that they've told me is that dream visitations from loved ones in heaven is kind of controlled. But there's a good reason because if you are grieving and – you want to see, you know, your father, your mother, your, your siblings, whoever it is that, that you're missing. And they could pop into your dream anytime you wanted or they wanted. We might never fully process that grief stage. Now, I think when you're really grieving, I don't think you ever get over it. I think you just learn to carry it in a different way. But if you are mm-hmm. dreaming about them all the time, you're not going to even learn how to carry it. So I do think that the dream visits are kind of orchestrated by our guides on the other side. And I think that there's a very good reason for that. When we pass away and we go to the other side, we have work to do. You know, we've got to process our life review. I've been told that we have jobs on the other side, which I think is probably interesting to to think about, right? (laughs) <laughs> we do get to choose those jobs, but, but we, have, we have a lot of work to do. We have a lot of healing to go through, and so if that has to be taken into consideration. And then the person grieving, their level of grief has to be taken into consideration. So in my experience, when I've had visitations with loved ones in heaven, there has always been a reason and a purpose behind it. Yeah. And I think yeah. if you look at most of your experiences, you, you'll see there's a message there, there's a purpose. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. And, and, you know, and one of the phrases that you use in that section I thought was 
one that I'll remember for a long time. You called it the Great Barrier Creek, you know. Um, yeah. And I just, you know, to me it was like it was um, three words that um, really sum it up, you know, as far as that, you know, if, if you're still processing grief um, or carrying it, like you say, in a way that is not healthy, you know, for living, then um, it can be a barrier to that particular kind of contact. Yes, they, it takes a lot of work for them to enter our dreams. They have to learn how to work with their energy in a whole new way. They have to learn how to enter our energy field during the dream state. And if we are surrounded by grief, it, it does put up a barrier around our aura. To me, it looks like um, almost like a really thick, heavy gray blanket. And they're not going to be able to penetrate our dream state. But, However, if anyone listening is actively grieving someone and you have not heard from your loved one, one thing I always recommend is simply talk to them a lot. And, you know, do the in your head or in your car. <laughs> they can hear you. You don't have to talk out loud. The minute you say their name, it calls to them. Similarly, if, if people are listening to that going, what is she talking about? Have you ever talked about someone who's alive and well, and then the next day they call you, and they're like, you're just on my mind. Whenever we are thinking about someone, talking about them, it, whether it's in our thoughts or out loud, it pulls on, on that, their little cord in our collective conscious. So you don't have to talk to your loved one out loud. But do talk to them and say, you know, gosh, Dad, I would love to see you in a dream, but if you can't get through my grief, please go to, you know, your niece, Doreen, or my cousin Doreen, and, and get a message through to her that way. Very often, if you mention someone that the two of you are mutually connected to and ask your loved one to go to them in a dream, and they're not actively grieving with the same intensity, they'll be able to get a message to you. And then when you're ready you too will have your own dream visitation. And, you know, there's just nothing like it. It's, it's wonderful to go to a medium and have someone say something that's validating about your loved one and you know they've got them. That's great. But there's nothing like having your own experience. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a really well, beautiful gift. It is, it is. Well, we're down towards the end of the show, Samantha, but uh, we just want to let people know that you do have a section on how to remember your dreams better. And just a couple of the, you have more than a dozen um, different um, suggestions, but a, a couple of them is drink water before bed, use dream herbs, um, even uh, practice daydreaming, which is, you know, for some of us, which is like, okay, you got permission. We can go ahead and practice that daydreaming. <laughs> It's really important to let your mind wander throughout the day, and I don't think we do that enough. I think we're so distracted these days, and we're always on our phones or checking email. So allowing your mind to wander gets you from that beta to that alpha brainwave state more easily, which is going to help you reach the delta and theta states more quickly when you try to fall asleep. One of my two top recommendations before we go one is watch what you do before you fall asleep. So studies have shown that if you fall asleep to your TV, you're not going to remember your dreams as effectively as if you turn that TV off. If you can fall asleep reading or meditating or journaling, that's going to help get your mind into a much more calm, grounded place where it's going to be receptive to dream recall. And then another tip I love that really helps me 
set your alarm clock for an hour earlier than you have to get up. So if you have to get up at 7 a.m., set an alarm for 6 a.m. and an alarm for 7 a.m. And when that 6 a.m. alarm goes off, hit the snooze button or just turn it off and fall asleep for that extra hour, and you will remember more dreams in that last hour. We tend to do our best dreaming in the last part of our sleep cycle anyway, and then waking ourselves up during that cycle is going to trigger a better dream recall. Okay, great. Well, thank you for those tips, Samantha. Uh, I enjoyed your book. I, I, like I said, I've been doing this dreaming stuff for a long time, and I always love uh, a new book that gives me new ways of looking at things, and, and yours did, and um, even gave me some terms for things I've experienced that I didn't know about. <laughs> so, uh, oh, that's great. But I want to thank I want to thank you for your time, and um, I appreciate it and look forward to following your journey. Thank you. Thank you so much, and thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. You're very welcome. It's my pleasure. Again, everyone, today my special guest has been Samantha Fay. We've been talking about her new book, The Awake Dreamer, A Guide to Lucid Dreaming, Astral Travel, and Mastering the Dreamscape. And, again, you can find out more by visiting her website, which is samanthafay.com. And, and on that, you can find uh, links to her um, her books, um, her, her uh, workshops and blogs and all kinds of stuff. So definitely visit samanthafay.com. So, everyone, thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth Show. And until we meet again. Thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Remember, our show is available as a free podcast from Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Apple Podcasts, Blog Talk Radio, Amazon Music, and Audible. To follow our show on any of those platforms, visit ByteRadio.me and select the one you use most. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Bite Radio Me. Until we meet again, remember to be a bright light by bringing inspiration to your world and to the lives of those you touch.